The following is a paid program and does not necessarily reflect the opinions of the staff or management of visionary-related entertainment. Aloha Maui Nui. Hey, this is Josh Porter. Jason Burkhardt. It is the Solar Coaster. Episode number 55, Jay. 55, just keep going. Just keep going, rocking on down the track. Hey, this is a really great uh, episode here. We've actually been working with this amazing fellow, Andre Richter. He's been on the show in the past. We did a pre-record session. We're going to kick into it a little later in the show here. Uh, this is really, we're talking about a whole different way of, of manufacturing solar panels that could make a big impact on our world to the tune of a billion panels annually produced in our world. Yeah. Um, well, it's just, if you remember, Andre is actually um, part of the uh, Meyerberger, which is the company that makes the facilities and manufacturing equipment for people who want to manufacture panels. So it's like the guys making the machines for the machines. Right. It's right. so like the tooling manufacturers. Yeah. It's the tooling manufacturers. Um, but they've, they've got some really interesting concepts about how and where to geographically locate these things. And uh, he's going to take us kind of through that that process, that, that thought process. Um, but it's very different than our normal kind of everything made in China world. <laughs> yeah. It's a whole different ballgame. I mean, we were talking about uh, really kind of flipping this on its head. Not so much replacing what's already in, in place, but adding to it considerably. Adding to it, right. Uh, domestic right. manufacturer, localized manufacturer for microclimate design, specific microclimate design PV panels. And that's what we're going to get into. Um, and then also what it's going to take and where we're at, you know, as a, uh, a, you know, the country now and also the world, you know. So, yeah, let's yep. jump right in and do our housekeeping, get into our news and events. A lot of interesting things happening in the world these days. Uh, and uh, take it from there, okay? So, uh, okay. hey, folks, we are the Solar Coaster, a renewable energy-themed talk show right here in lovely Maui County. It can be found uh, KOI 1110 AM Fridays at 105 PM. We're also on some FM stations. That's 96.7 FM. Central Maui, 96.5 FM Westside, 98.7 FM Upcountry. Call-ins are welcome. 242-7800 is the call-in line. That's 242-7800. Uh, we, we do have a recorded session towards the tail end of the show, but uh, if you want to give us a call, go go ahead or, or check more, more, more uh, call effectively. In <laughs> call in early. Call in now. <laughs> more effectively. Check us out on, uh, online. You want to tell us about the web, Jay? Sure. Uh, you can also go to www.solar-coaster.com. Uh, you can listen live there if you can't find a radio station that carries us. So if you're somewhere else in the world, uh, we're not streaming live right now, but we will be again shortly. Uh, so that's coming back. But click the Listen Live link. Um, also, check down um, the bottom of the front page. There's a mailing list section if you don't want to come on air, but you do have a question. We did get a question last uh, week from Amy, and I apologize. Your email was actually deleted um oh, it went to an important no. it, it went it went to an important mailbox i can see the title but i can't see the text anymore <laughs> so if you would well, this is a real again, estate I would appreciate one, it. Yeah. This is, it was a real I estate remember, related yeah. one i do i remember reading it but i don't remember exactly what the text was i went back to look for it later and I, all i see is the title so please send that again but you scroll down the bottom of the front page so you can sign up for a mailing list and get your questions on air right there just just fill out the form finally you can go back to the um the podcast tab and that has literally every show we've ever done so we're on episode 55 now but all our past shows all the stuff we've ever talked about is all right there yeah a lot of good content a lot of good content there and a lot of good content coming in the upcoming months i'm really excited about some of the things we're planning right Jack? i hope so so <laughs> i hope so all right so uh, we are sponsored by a great group of companies maui solar project tabuchi electric america sonen battery pika energy and sundrum solar these guys are doing amazing work and we thank them so much for helping the uh, solar coaster stay on the tracks thank you sponsors yes all right what do you say news and events time jay or what it is news and events time. We got so much to talk about today. All right, uh, we're starting right, off, right, right off the bat, if I can pull up my uh, thing. This, this was one you sent me. It's a drone's eye view of how solar farms clean all those panels. Um, uh, first thing I want to say is this farm, this solar farm was disgusting. <laughs> it was so dirty. <laughs> it was just absolutely, absolutely nasty. Um, and and it, so it was, it was just, uh, this guy, Clifford uh, Bergoni, uh, wants to sell his system. Now, he's got one of those robot things that kind of um, rolls along the panel. So if you've yeah, ever seen cool. a large-scale solar farm, um, they are uh, just rows and rows of panels. But they're also basically 
um, mounted in a line, right? So there's this machine that will basically just go down the entire line and it literally kind of propels itself and sprays and scrubs and does whatever it needs to do to get rid of all the dust and dirt that accumulates on the panels. The, the, the upshot of that, of course, is that you get better efficiency or more more production it's not even better efficiency but but um all the dirt and stuff that would have obscured um the sun's rays the photons coming into the panel are now allowed to go through into the silicon and and do what they do yeah this is a real dollars and cents conversation here because i think this fella had something like did you say 17 percent bump was it jay went after that was yeah this this is really specific that was actually a different video but but just some random guy cleaning his solar panels it was it was very obvious he got a double digit increase in production simply by cleaning your panels and that 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 guy was just up there on his roof with a with a brush and some dish soap right oh geez uh yeah well this this particular one this farm over here that uh this clifford bagoni has an eighty-six thousand solar panel farm and he just has the one section that's been clean and and in contrast with the gray and the completely obscured uh section of the one that's that that is that's dirty and uh it kind of reminds me of like a a, you know a van kind of in like haiku after you know it's been dusty and stuff and someone comes up and (laughs) and writes their name in it clean me or clean me or whatever something like that it looks like that wash me Exactly. So, yeah, um, these uh, there are definitely some amazing systems that are coming out now that are uh, able to take care of this. And like, it's a dollars and cents conversation. If these are uh, these solar farms are selling energy at X price per kilowatt hour, and it's five, geez, Louise, five percent is enough, right? Even a couple percentage points. That's just a, yep. that's just money lost, right? And that's uh, so yeah. from an investment perspective, that's something that needs to be kept honest. Is the uh, operation operation and maintenance game, and uh, you know, especially in these desert like environments, like out here, we tend to get some decent rain, cleans them off pretty good. Uh, our problem might be more in terms of like growth, like sugarcane and things of that nature. But um, you know, the, out sure. in these deserts, geez, these things are kind of like just completely coated in, in dust and you know, like like you said, in certain places on the island, it does get really dusty dirty and stuff sticks right so to get the best efficiencies from your panels if they've been up there for a year uh, that's that's what they're saying about once a year you want to get up there and clean them off it's not nearly as bad as like washing your car absolutely but uh do 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 clean them so that you can uh, and if you don't want to do it yourself certainly yeah, there's some services out there. We gotta gotta reach out to some of those guys. I see them around town, actually. So uh, there yeah. are some services and people that that that's what they do for a living. They go out there and they take care of it, and they uh, they are safe up on roofs, uh, presumably, right? So that's what you want, um, or, or at least they have they have the insurance, right? <laughs> okay. So uh, what's next, Jay? We got something happening uh, with uh, Sonen Battery. Uh, Sonen Battery got a new investment uh, to expand operations. It was to the tune of $60 million. And Sonen's one of our sponsors. Um, we do uh, like what they do. They've got their their cl- big claim to fame is the virtual power plant kind of concept that they've been running in, in Europe for quite a while. Um, it, the, the interesting bit of this is who the investor is. It's actually um, Shell. Dutch energy giant Shell, right? And, yes, uh, yes. and I, just as a, as a small correction there, it looks like it's 60 million pounds or $71 million oh, okay. and uh, so to grow in the U.S. Than. and the Australian markets. And we see a lot happening yep. in Australia. That One of our articles next is actually another virtual power plant conversation about, about Tesla that's happening right now. Um, but, yeah, they're, they're definitely getting um, some support. I wonder if these – this is Shell is the oil company, right, Jay? Yeah, yeah. Right. So exactly the one you think of. Right. So and we're seeing more and more uh, of these uh, large, you know, uh, kind of dominant energy companies coming in and being a part of the renewable energy, uh, uh, you know, revolution. I mean, you have things like Total with SunPower. They've been doing that for a long time. But it seems like they're they're buying in more and more and more, which is, uh, I guess, that's good news. I mean, maybe. Yeah, right? I don't I don't think they have a choice. I mean, they need to diversify in the space. Yeah, <laughs> they right. need to do it now, otherwise they'd be left behind. Well, it's good to see Sonen getting the support, too, and it looks like they're going to be kind of going head-to-head with Tesla in the virtual power plant uh, business industry in Australia specifically, also the United States. Right. And the United States is a little yep. bit different, right? So that's I'm excited to see U.S. included in that because— we still, uh, we still, Yeah, well, it is for expanding. I, I have to wonder if a lot of that isn't for lobbying purposes um oh, we right. have some we have some legal restrictions in a lot of places that that actually prevent this virtual power right. plant concept from right. moving forward including right. hawaii, hawaii uh, although it, yeah. it, it, can, it can be changed it is literally just it's not a technical obstruction it's literally just legislative 
Right, exactly. Yeah. And then, okay, well, jumping right over, if we can, to well, Tesla. Well, let's do that. The test Tesla right now. So Tesla gets a green light to create the world's largest virtual power plant in South Australia. This is this is really, really a good idea. Yeah. Um, they were very concerned that um, it was not going to go forward because the original agreement was with the um, the Labor Party. That, that Australia is a multi-party system. So the Labor mm. Party, the Liberal Party, they, they, of course, have Democrats and Republicans as well. Uh, but there's there's a lot more of them, so that's it's a very different kind of political landscape. Um, but they they just had a major party shift from the, their Labour Party to the Liberal Party, mm-hmm. uh, one one majority now. And uh, because of their policies, they weren't sure whether this agreement would actually be honored. Tesla wasn't sure if the agreement would actually be oh, honored. Okay. But they've gotten they've gotten confirmation that it it will proceed. Uh, not only that. Um, there, the, the Liberal Party actually plans to subsidize an additional 40,000 home battery units to bring renewable energy to people who couldn't fo- couldn't afford it otherwise. 40,000. That's exciting. 40,000. So the Tesla, the, 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 the initial Tesla plan was to do um, 1,100 houses. Right. And now this is this is uh, another so 40,000 so added to it. <laughs> so they're amping this up considerably. And, yeah, uh, quite a bit. Yeah, you know what's these are these are behind the meter models, and they're they're Correct. not owned actually by the homeowners. And what I start seeing here is uh, is the VPP or the virtual power plant concept. It actually offers the opportunity to democratize energy and bring it bring it into other socioeconomic groups that may not be able to kind of uh, you know get into into to renewable energies. Uh, and that's kind of a great uh, ancillary benefit, you know, of this virtual power plant um, uh, thing that's happening out there. It's like that's yeah. even discussion point around here yeah so so to bring to wrap to bring that back um the virtual power plant concept for those that don't know is um if you have a solar system and you have your own battery on at your house on premises um if even if it's not yours like it's owned by somebody else you you pay a lease or you pay a ppa or something um it is in the u.s it's essentially yours alone in a virtual power plant concept, a whole lot of people basically join like a service. And if you have a lot of energy, but your neighbor down the street doesn't for whatever reason, they can actually transfer energy from you to this other this other individual. So it's individual to individual as opposed to one giant power plant going to everybody mm. kind of concept. Mm. And so it's just a big network. Uh, but we all we all support each other, which I think is a fantastic community kind of. It's it's a little Star Trek, but <laughs> right, it's, it's like a really a, good, really, yeah. really great, yeah, really great community kind of aspect. Right, and a lot it. of redundancy there, right, which is kind of interesting. Tremendous redundancy. I mean, if your if your own if your own system is is failing, um, obviously you have an issue. But if you if if someone else down the down the road is failing, I mean, transformer become less of an issue um, as you're as you're being able to, to even if. Uh, for example, a microgrid um, or a nanogrid, no, microgrid um, subdivision is isolated for whatever reason, right? For some power lines blow down, mm-hmm. that subdivision is still supporting itself, still supporting each other. And although it's isolated from the main grid, each individual housing unit is, is propped up by the others, which is a really nice kind of concept. You yeah. know, it can be cut off anywhere and still still operate properly. Yeah. It's a pretty exciting concept, and we actually got a little bit of information from Tony uh, Pearden uh, just a moment ago sure. trying to get some updates of our, what was our happening. Our Australian correspondent. <laughs> our Australian correspondent literally received it about 20 minutes ago. And uh, just a little bit more a little bit more background color on this same thing, um, talking about the individual. So plan announced in February we'll see each home fitted with a 5-kilowatt solar panel system alongside a 5-kilowatt or 15-kilowatt-hour Powerwall 2 battery. So these are uh, not the power packs. We're talking about the individual home units, which yep. uh, you know, which is which is interesting. We were just talking about the capabilities of Powerwall too, which is pretty robust. You know, they have a 200. Uh, what is it? We say 200 amp uh, uh, transformer, so you can actually back up the whole house, and uh, and uh, as stackable to eight power walls in an individual system, which is uh, you know, it's pretty pretty powerful stuff there. So they're using kind of this cutting edge Powerwall two technology with about five kilowatts of solar. Um, for these systems, which is amazing. Yep. 
250 very, megawatts very of cool. power uh, coming out of the system and 250 megawatts that's the total total uh, that's the total install yeah. once they complete everything <laughs> yeah yeah and the first 25,000 we just said this but they, he, Tony did, did get a little bit more details for us first 25,000 be fitted on government-owned houses so the householders yep. won't own the systems they won't receive free electricity instead buying uh, at what the government analysis suggests would cost around 27 cents per kilowatt hour Australian uh, or about 30 uh, percent cheaper than current average residential prices so those 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 uh, people that are living in those homes will actually see a positive cash flow scenario right there they'll be able to uh, save money well effectively they will yeah they got 30 percent discount yeah. on, on their electric rates which Beautiful. is awesome and Beautiful. and and the benefit of being backed up <laughs> uh, yeah this is exciting stuff this is really exciting stuff so uh yeah very good and there's a bunch of other stuff here but let's let's move over shall we from tasla to our next story jay um yep. you want to get into what's happening with pv a little bit is that our next one uh yeah you can talk about the perovskite thing and then i'll tell you what it is <laughs> i don't even know if i can say it perovskite thanks for perovskite. giving me the pronunciation there you go <laughs> yeah well you touched on this before right so basically you're talking I've, about i was researching it a couple months ago right so um perovskite is a uh chemical compound a way, a way to make crystalline structures so traditional um solar panels we heard uh silicon being the the medium of choice everybody grows these silicon cells or wafers um, they actually generate a large cell and then cut them apart to make smaller ones or you can grow um grow cells in a um in a medium but either way you have to grow these cells um the perovskites are working much smaller um in in individual um what do you want to say? A, a, like cube-like atomic structure. Mm -hmm. uh, the fun, the fun thing about it is that you can, the, the chemists can kind of play with the materials. Like you can add different things to it, like boron or oxygen or whatever, to make a different material. Mm -hmm. And the, what I was researching specifically was the kind of paint-on solar cells that we were talking about before. That's this is not, you, this is not go down to Home Depot and buy a can of paint <laughs> and light up your house. It doesn't work quite work like that, but it is like the manufacturing process. So they can, if you, if you imagine like a printing press, instead of having to grow all these cells and cut them and fit them and solder them all together, whatever they have to do to make it, to make a traditional solar panel. Um, these are literally like roll to roll, like a printing press that you just, you're, you're spraying or inking this perovskite material across the, the the substrate the backing right right so you're yeah i guess that gives a lot of flexibility in the type of literally uh, literally you can make flexible panels flexible, exactly <laughs> right i see that there in the, in the picture there's some yeah. bending some panels but i mean in yeah. for like maybe for bipv for building integrated photovoltaics things of that nature you could take existing structures and possibly paint them on well, right. there's, there's the a lot of things yeah. at the manufacturing level right now there's a, there's a lot of things they're working on kind of painting on uh one of them is the glass remember we were talking about painting onto windows this is that's actually a perovskite material mm -hmm. uh it is not transparent as in transparent but it looks like a really heavy tinted glass mm -hmm. um one of the other things that i that i find really interesting is that you can do multiple layers of perovskite material when and because wavelengths? You, can, you can exactly that right yeah. you can you can because most um most silicon are, are susceptible to a particular wavelength, and the same with the perovskites. But because you can play with that chemical structure, you can make one that works really well in kind of the red shifted mm -hmm. part of the spectrum. And then underneath that, you put one, you put a layer that has that moves toward the blue, and you can actually even go into like into the invisible kind spectrum, of to the yeah. human eye yeah. uh, spectrum and catch a whole lot of different wavelengths that would have been lost. So otherwise. that's interesting. So um, we're talking about with this current level of efficiency somewhere around the 10% mark or something along those 14. lines. 14.5 is their ultimate record right, right now. But then if you're able to, is, the is that is that a layered uh, a single, iteration a or single? single? So no, if you layer, single, then you could correct. potentially go above the efficiencies of the existing all silicons. Of a, right, all, right? all of a sudden it's it's becomes comparable to silicon and yeah, potentially I mean, once once they figure out how to make them even even better, um, right. right now it's 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 a rapidly developing field. I mean, this is almost should be a, a, a kind of future focus. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> kind I of kind of caught that. Yeah, because because it's, but it but it's but it's coming very very quickly. In in 2014, they started making the stuff. In 2016, they've got a, a like a cell that's um, a what is it like a, an a for a letter size piece of paper mm -hmm. um and then and then immediately made a meter square right 
she right. and so it took almost no it was almost no different and and they're really getting good at manufacturing the things in mass so i think very very soon you're going to start seeing these things and they are flexible thin sheets which uh saves on weight they're certainly they're, they're talking right now about replacing the existing um solar infrastructure remember space was the whole um mission behind solar in the very beginning and they're thinking about just changing this because that the weight ratio the performance to weight ratio oh, it's so on much these lighter. is insane because it's so much lighter. You can you can ship way more to space cheaply. So this is going to become the de facto uh, <laughs> the, the, the de facto uh, standard solar for... to, sta to power space stations and and correct whatever else. Right. right? Rem rem <clears throat> remember that little shield that I wanted to build above the Earth to fix global warming? That that, that would be this. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Hey, well, let's jump over. So that that we'll keep an eye on. I'm just going to say it once. Perovskite. Did I say it correctly, Jay? Correct. Yep. We'll keep an eye on yep. Perovskite. Perovskite. We'll get some technology. updates from time to time. But that is an exciting. Uh, field of technology that could make a big uh, impact in uh, renewables uh, in the upcoming years. So let's jump over to what's happening in um, in Hawaii, on, in Big Island. You know, the world is looking at and watching what's happening with the eruptions. We got, there's, we got a couple of articles here. We did hear from Marco, our uh, in the field, uh, I'm going to call him a correspondent if he doesn't mind, uh, over yeah. in, in, in Big Island. And also we, we have are a- corresponding, sure. Yeah, we're corresponding, so you're a correspondent. He's always great about getting us something right away, so timely. And then uh, also New yeah. York Times, a big article in New York Times about, you know, um, how all of these uh, people are, are living in that environment and, uh, and and how they're being impacted. So which one do you want to touch on, Jay? You want to touch on the New York Times one uh, first briefly? Do the, yeah, do mm -hmm. the New York Times for sure. Yeah. So basically, I'm here, I mean, we're obviously, you know, uh, there's a lot of questions out there as to why people are, are, are living in these environments uh, and then how that happened. You know, the land is relatively inexpensive. And a lot of people that are tie in here was that a lot of people that are living out in the environment do have solar. Some of them are off grid. Some of them are catchment systems. You know, they're, they're really kind of uh, uh, not your traditional necessarily your traditional homestead. Um, uh, but, uh, the, you know, that, that kind of enabled uh, people to live in this environment. And it turns out that it wasn't so safe. <laughs> after all right well i mean the, the article here goes into detail about how and when these these plots were kind of carved up um they were before we had the um the, the research and the lava risk maps and such that that came around this is done in the 60s so the developers carved it all apart um about 2,000 homes were put into a what would be very a very high risk kind of zone um but we really didn't know that was, that's, it's Just literally 50 years ago. It's it's more than 50 years ago. We didn't yeah. we didn't have information. We knew that um, some lava flows had happened. I mean, it's very obvious. You can walk out there and look at it. But it's it's still land in yeah. Hawaii. So, so check that out. You can take a look at how the what the rest of the world is seeing there. But what Marco sent us today is an article from Pacific Business News, and it says, "Is this the end for geothermal energy in Hawaii?" And apparently, there is um, the not not only were there's an update from our previous show about the capping of the wellheads. All that has been done. Is that correct, Jay? That's correct. They've they've sealed all 11 geothermal wells at the site. Um, it's, it's a basically mitigating the risk, but they've also actually had um, a full lava flow enter the property, destroy a building, um, causing a lot of concern um, of a potential wellhead blowout. So these are sealed, but I mean, it's, it's, I, I would hope they would get buried before they, they explode, but they're filled with water, um, which right. will flash to steam if it comes in contact with lava like this. Right, right. So it looks like it's, um, you know, the it's, very likely, very likely to be the end of the Puno geothermal plant. Could we pretty much call it that at this uh, stage of the game? Well, okay, sure. I mean, we're looking at um, these these events can be very short lived, or they can go on for decades. We don't know how long um, Pele will continue to do this. <laughs> and, okay. Um, I think I think we better wrap uh, wrap this up. We do have we're going to go into our commercial break, Jay, and then we're going to hear all from um, Andre Richter from Meyer Burger. It's kind of his second yep. show, telling us all about how his uh, technology, smart wire technology, and 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 bifaciality is going to play a role in domestic manufacturing of uh, solar panels moving forward to the tune of a billion panels globally by 2018 or 2019. He said, <laughs> I think it's 2019, <laughs> but we're gonna, we're going to need to get there if we're going to if we're going to. That, that's basically how the math works out in order to ramp to 100% renewables. Absolutely. Okay, folks, so we're going to go to our sponsors now.
Aloha and welcome to Maui Solar Project. It is easy to feel rejuvenated just stepping outside on a magnificent Hawaiian day. Maui Solar Project is here to help harness that energy you feel in your body and use it to power your homes and businesses. As Laura tells us, Maui harnessed the sun so as to slow its path across the sky. Join Maui Solar Project as we harness the sun's energy and slow Hawaii's dependence on fossil fuels. Call Maui Solar Project at 269-2352. MauiSolarProject.org. Tsubuchi Electric, a leading worldwide inverter manufacturer, presents the second generation of the eco-intelligent battery system, the IBIS. Tsubuchi's grid-friendly system includes a high-efficiency inverter, stackable batteries, and integration with Jelly software for the most adaptable battery storage system on the market. The system is optimized for energy management and cost performance. Maximize your solar investment with Tsubuchi's electric eco-intelligent battery system. The Sonin Battery Eco is an energy storage solution that utilizes intelligent energy management software. The system is available in a variety of storage capacities and allows for expansion. Sonin Battery Eco allows you to save money by harvesting energy from your solar PV system and using that stored energy when rates are more expensive. Sonin Battery Eco is specifically designed to provide you and your family peace of mind in the event of power outage. Our unique power detection system will sense outages in real time and automatically switch over to battery power. See Sonin Battery Eco at sonin-battery.com. MIT-founded Pika Energy, makers of the Pika Energy Island, a smart energy management system that uses solar panels, lithium batteries, and intelligence to manage your energy and keep you powered even during outages. With a clean, intelligent alternative to grid power, you're in control of your energy future. Pika's Energy Island lets you manage electrical costs with HECO-ready self-supply functions. Pika's largest battery, the Harbor Plus, offers 16 kilowatt hours of stored energy and can power loads of up to 10 kilowatts. And if you need more capacity, just add a second or even third Harbor Smart battery to the same system for a maximum of 48 kilowatt hours of usable storage. Pika Energy, own your power. To learn more, visit pika-energy.com. Sundrum Solar is the manufacturer of a revolutionary thermal collector that fits on the underside of your standard PV panel to maximize energy capture per square foot. The Sundrum Solar Hybrid PVT system combined photovoltaic and thermal holds the world record for peak efficiency capturing an astounding 86% usable energy. Learn how Sundrum Solar vastly improves electric, heating, and cooling economics at sundrumsolar.com. All right, welcome back. Those are our great uh, sponsors that have kept the Solar Coaster on air yeah. for a solid Thank year, you, Jay. sponsors. Keep us on the track. That's how right. <laughs> Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you to the amazing companies out there that uh, have had confidence in the coaster from the beginning. And ladies. And ladies. And ladies, ladies, yes. Ladies, actually, is a really important one right there, right? Uh, specifically about Harumi McClure, one of our, uh, our great uh, sponsors, the president of Tabuchi Electric America, was, was our first sponsor outside of Maui Solar Project and also has uh, recently kind of re-upped and, and, and continued to support the, the coaster through the second year. So thank Thank you, Harumi-san, for all, you. all your support. Um, so, uh, everybody, we have an amazing guest in uh, fr today uh, from Switzerland, uh, Mr. Andre, uh, Andre Richter from Meyer Burger. And uh, this is his second appearance on the show. Uh, and uh, we're really fortunate to have him on board. So welcome, Andre. Can you hear me okay? Yes, I'm okay. Aloha. Nice to do your talk to you again uh, in the amazing field of the photovoltaic technology. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, we're excited to hear about um, all this new information that you've been kind of pioneering. Uh, you know, of course, bifaciality is kind of your focal point, one of your focal points. Uh, I think, Jay, what was it? Andre had kind of walked us through a deep dive on PV in general, right? And then kind of graduating mm -hmm. up through bifaciality, right? Wasn't that what we did? Yeah, ages ago. I mean, for, for the folks that don't remember, Meyerberger is actually the company that makes the um, manufacturing equipment for manufacturing the modules, right? So, so they they, they make this they make the hardware that makes the PV cells, not actually, or the PV modules, not actually the PV modules. So, right. a little a little bit further back in the process, uh, but they're heavily focused on R and D. Uh, we've had this this entire ramp. This, of course, a, a company that's been in solar since the very beginning very close to the begin very beginning uh, and has been manufacturing this this equipment for manufacturers to make more modules and of course they're right at the forefront of how to put these things together to get the best possible benefit 
Yeah, yeah, definitely. And then you know, Andre, um, it's we we started talking after that first show, and uh, we've dialogued a lot since then. I think we're probably a couple months back, easy, right? Maybe two, three months. Uh, the show was the first uh, show with Andre, and uh, you know, our conversation kind of gravitated towards okay, we're talking about um, in in this bifacial technology that you have. It 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 has a, a specific capability to create microclimate or geographic specific modules that can perform optimally in a certain well, I don't think that's geography. that's not a bifacial thing that's the, that's just how they're the this inter the actual cells are wired inside the panel correct yeah this is correct yeah this is yeah. more precise but but in in general it's more the new technology gives you more freedom okay gotcha gotcha so it could be applied to uh, traditional backsheet modules but right now we're seeing the, the bulk of it applied to bifacials okay so very exciting uh really really exciting because they, they, when we were talking it was like hmm that's an interesting idea given that we have yeah, it was these... more a future focused thing than anything else right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. given that we're see we're in a place right now where the trump administration has uh approved the the, the tariffs right uh, that yep. were recommended by the International Trade Commission a few months back, and so we've got these tariffs that are levied on on um, on internationally produced uh, modules from pretty much everywhere around the co world. It's not even like a, a yeah, specific it's, thing. It's, it's every yeah, it is everywhere. Um, it is both modules and cells. So if you, even if you bring the cells into the country and then assemble the module, do final assembly here, making modules, they're still subject to the tariff. Uh, and <laughs> actually, Andre sent me this uh, love. PowerPoint, which shows a massive drop in utility scale rollout through Unreal. from 2016 to 2017. Um, it's it's like not I, I want to say not quite half, but it looks like almost half. Yeah, it's going <laughs> from crap. what 15 gigs all the way down to 11 gigs, but that's. Right. That's unreal. But the nice, the nice, the nice thing that residential seems like it's pretty stable. Mm. So, mm. well, what what the the the, the na oh go ahead, Andre. I'm sorry. But, but attention, uh, the numbers, the U.S. market was 2017, the second biggest market in the world, still. Okay. 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 Well, that's nice, that's nice to know. <laughs> good, good, good. Yeah, so the, the, the natural offshoot of this technology and this and the, these two things that are kind of happening, this, uh, this, this tariff that is kind of uh, uh, creating a, a stressor on the industry in terms of being able to get inexpensive modules in and on people's roofs or on solar farms or on utility scale, whatever. Th th mm. That plus the, the nature of this technology that allow, that, that, that Meyer Berger is pioneering, which is microclimate ge ge uh, uh, geographically specific modules, right? It, it, you put those two things together and you say, hmm, maybe we should be manufacturing locally uh, in order to get optimally produced panels in order to create jobs and can we do something like that you know and does the, could this thing actually work and could we create something amazing here in the united states and around the world where we're no longer shipping modules uh all over the place but we're just shipping cells from you know one centrally located area to an assembly plant in a, in a specific uh geography where you're going to deploy those panels that was the nature of our conversation which got me really jazzed and uh and so uh, andre went out and started working his butt off he's a really hard working guy and he got all this great information from nrel national renewable energy laboratories he got this great information uh, from his own organization, Meyer Berger, and he's just flooding us with uh, these great uh, presentations. So we're at this stage right now where we really want to um, dig in and understand uh, kind of what you found out and kind of tell the story a little bit. So, Andre, how would you like to start out with this? Uh, first, first of all, you, you are fully right. You can everywhere produce PV panels. Everywhere you can produce uh, PV cells. So uh, you can have domestic production and you can optimize this production. And if you look at the cost uh, here given by NREL, the cost differs are not so big. So uh, if you see different technologies, different locations, you have almost the same production cost plus minus. And is mm -hmm. that a feature but of, of uh, because, I mean, labor, labor, uh, expenses are clearly different, right? In China and the United States, for example. But are those, is it is it mitigated by the fact that there's a lot of robotics involved, or is it um, you know how because you're, you're saying the costs are basically the same to produce in the United States as it is in China? Is that right? With, with plus the shipping. Uh, so the labor-related costs are a few percent in the module, in the okay. PV panel. So this makes not a big difference anymore. 
that's pretty exciting because then we could potentially get the jobs and the low-cost modules and the geographically optimized technology. And, uh, you know, I mean, yes. who's not happy after that? After that? <laughs> it sounds like everyone gets a win-win-win, <laughs> right? Okay. And you don't have to burn a whole lot of fossil fuels trucking them all across the country. <laughs> yeah, really. There's a there's an irony of ironies, right? That we're, we're, or, across the, or across the ocean, that and, dirty, dirty, heavy fuel. Yeah, and, 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 you know, if you go back to episode, I don't even know, with, uh, with Yoshioka-san from EcoShip, you know, something yep. like, uh, I don't know, was it around 20% of the of carbon dioxide, 17%, I think, Jay, of carbon dioxide? 17% of global carbon dioxide output is from that heavy, sh- from heavy the fuel shipping industry. From the shipping. And it's all yep. the really mean yep. knocks and socks, right? It's all that really yeah, mean all the, uh, all particulate-heavy, right? ugly type of uh, air uh, uh, pollution type stuff. So we're talking about just, that's another yep. win. I think that's four wins. How many wins can we get out of this yeah. thing? Okay, <laughs> so we got um, to hear all about this, Andre. Help us. Walk us through this. We don't know that much about it. You want to start out with the uh, the data from NREL in this great presentation? Yeah. Yes, also if you see, for example, the three biggest drivers now to drive the costs down in future, in the near future, it's bifacial modules, glass glass frameless modules, and increase in efficiency. And, and of course, with the newer technologies, you can have all three points in, in one product, if you like. Yeah, so you can have three times the benefit and you get a very cost-optimized product if you like to do. Mm. And this is one argument, big argument to do have domestic production. So you have not only the, the power optimization we are coming later to, you have additional cost down effects with the best newest technology you can approve what is best for you. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. So we're, um, well, let's, what, give us a sense here. Um, do you want to jump into that U.S. installation breakdown and give us a sense of what's possible now? Is that a good place to start? Yes, it's a very good place to start. So it's, it's not so divesting, uh, of course, in 2017, you have a little drop in the total installations in U.S., Mm -hmm. but uh, in China, you have a very big increase in installations. Mm-hmm. Of course, but uh, it's still above 10 gigawatt. 10 gigawatt is a lot. You have to imagine one megawatt is 1,000. Uh, 1,000 megawatt is one gigawatt, and one gigawatt are around about six million panels. So 10 gigawatt is 60 million panels installed in a year. All right, it's a huge number. 60 million yeah. panels. So right now in the United States in 2017, we had 60 million PV panels installed. Is that correct? Do you you know if that's actually like our global manufacturing capability, that 60 million number? I mean, it seems what it seems like to happen to me is that the U.S. didn't quite install them, install as many because of the tariffs. And yet China kind of absorbed that excess. And so, uh, so and so, so, so currently our, our global manufacturing capability is 60 million panels per year. <laughs> well, it, it looks, am, am, I, am I reading that right? It looks to me like um, the United States installed 10.6 gigawatts, which is 60 million panels, right? Yes. Oh, my. Right. And the, the total worldwide is 10 times more. Yeah, it's 51.6 gigawatts, yeah. or as Andre would say, gigawatts, which I prefer. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> uh, 51.6 uh, gigawatts. So you multiply that by... 60 and you have 3,000. Wait, 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 I'm lost. Hang on a second. How many modules? You have 60 million at 10 gigawatts times five is 300 million uh, panels installed globally. Is that right? Is that correct? No, times, no, not times five, times 10. Times 10. Also, worldwide had been installed 2017, around about 98 gigawatt, also 100 gigawatt. It's around about 10 times more. So, so okay, 60 million. 600. 600 million panels installed across the United yeah. States in 2017. There we go. Six, okay. Wow, now we really know what we're talking about, gentlemen. Now we've, we've got some boxes <laughs> here. I like this. I like this. Okay, 60 million panels in the United States in 2017. I think that's a first. I've never heard anybody say that. And then 600 million installed across the, the entire world in 2017. Fantastic. We're rounding out. We're, we're, we're nearing the billion panel mark. What year will that be, right? 2019, maybe? 2018? I don't know. Andre, you got to take. When are we going to have a billion panels installed globally? You get a sense? 
2018, yes. Yeah. Billion yeah. panels installed across the world. Okay, you heard it here first on the solar coaster, folks. Okay, so this is what's going on in the United States, right? We got, that's our precedent. That's our level that we're at right now. It's a far cry from 40 years ago, a couple of uh, pot farmers installing some round uh, cells up in Mendocino County to make sure they had their electric bills weren't on the radar of the of the police, right? So that was, that was the early era of solar in Northern California, right? Outback and all that kind of stuff, right? And now we're at 60 million panels being installed across the United States in 2017. So let's ask ourselves, Andre, if we were to shift our manufacturing to a domestic manufacturing policy with your technology, what would that look like? How would that work? It's already with our technology. Also almost every third wafer in the world, sawn, there's a silicon wafer, the small slice of silicon is sawn by our tools. Uh, every, almost every wafer has seen our processing, one of our processing tools. Uh, you, if you buy a panel from everywhere, yeah, you have this. So we are already in, uh, we are in the perk. If you buy a perk model, we have a market share of 80% or 95% in between this. So it's most likely made by our tools. So you're already the making process. it. You're already making it, you're just making yeah. it in different locations. Yeah. Okay. Yes, okay. yes, yes. So instead of, instead of uh, making it in all these other locations, you're kind of saying, hey, there's a different way to do this, guys. We're the tooling manufacturers, and you don't need to, it doesn't even make sense to make it somewhere else and ship it somewhere else. Let's just make it and let's just make it where we're going to use it, right? And cut out the whole shipping component, which sounds pretty good, that 70% carbon dioxide uh, thing that we got going on out there uh, in the global carbon dioxide emissions. Seven, yeah. 17, but yeah. 17, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, would, I would say it other way around. If you, you, we, we need more, much more solar, wind, and renewable energy installations all over the world. Mm. Much more, yeah? So now we have to to produce we have to think about where we can produce a massive uh, amount of modules we need to supply the world with energy not only electricity mm -hmm. so and at the end you can't do all in for example in china yeah china is not big enough to do this hmm? so you <laughs> have to that. do it in US, you have to do it across the world and you got to do it everywhere so at you the same have time at production mm. worldwide so you have what maximum production worldwide is that what you said Today, today you do installation of around about 100 gigawatt, and the production capacity is around about 130 gigawatt, okay. 30 percent more. Okay. Yeah, that was mm -hmm. the number I was trying to get to before. So we want, we are at one, 100, and we want to be at 130, or did you say we need to do more than that? What, what did you say? There are calculations. There, are, uh, for example, there's a terawatt initiative. Uh, it started by Enrel as well, and this is. Uh, they are thinking about uh, in a region of installation uh, of one terawatt per year, also 1,000 gigawatt per year, 10 times more than today. So then we and need in the 10 next times more. Three, four years. Okay, then we need, right now, we, okay, so in order to do that, we need these gigawatt production facilities all around the world in all geographies in all countries that is really the this is guys this is not some small thing this is like uh this kind of feels like jfk moonshot conversation i mean you know this is like we're, we're, we're going to literally you know wrap the world in these manufacturing plants in order to be able to create enough uh pv to meet the needs of uh of, of the communities around them i mean this is what we're talking about here that's a a terawatt of of production capability how, how long do you think it would take to do something like that andre open how, how long how long would it take us to get to a place where we're, do, we're producing a terawatt uh of of pv oh. modules on an annual basis it's three three to six years and then we have the word capacity these are the calculations three to six years from now so from 2000, yes. 2021 to 2024 Right? That was five. Five. Yeah. Uh, we could have a one terawatt. And one terawatt is, oh, geez, how many panels, guys? I'm trying to run through these numbers. <laughs> <laughs> more, than, more than you can imagine. A thousand gigawatts of production, annual production capability. Fantastic. Yeah. So, okay. Okay. So that gives us some, some frame of reference here. Um, what's the next step here, Andre? Would you like to talk a little bit more about technology or costing or what, how can you help us get our head around this? I mean, what I, I think what our listeners would need to know is and understand how that would work. What might be the impact on, on a community? If you took like a small region, for example, like let's say right now the Southeast, for example, in the United States is, has been underserved with solar, right, Jay? It's, we've just read about right. some, right. some 
some uh, new initiatives, you know, Jinko Solar partnering up with first with, with one of the utilities out there and probably going to serve their their own you know retail manufacturing needs and uh, other things happening some good legislation you know the utilities letting solar in they're kind of getting a little less duplicitous right um, so this stuff's going out in the southeast United States but what if you were to take a, in a region like that and plop down one of these one gigawatt um, uh, bifacial, uh, you know, uh, manufacturing systems, not just the, the central one, but also the radial assembly plants. How would something like that impact a community? How would that work? What does it take to do it? Uh, for, for example, you can have to have a look at two smaller factories. You can have module uh, factories for PV modules everywhere located. So, for example, 100 megawatt will create 100 direct jobs roundabout and then you have all the supply industry so you have again 200 300 more jobs for this and of course you have all the downstream installations epc and and uh, more jobs related so these are a job machine on on one hand on the other hand you have uh, the local infrastructure you have business yeah you have technology you have uh, knowledge you have insta uh, uh, insta installation of roof systems for example so you need not only pv knowledge uh, it's it's more broader the thing and it's all this drives this technology chain mm? so this gives a big impact on the community another big impact is the energy costs you have to imagine, also for big systems now, uh, you have bids for 20 US dollar per megawatt hour. It's two cent US dollar cent per kilowatt hour hmm? for big systems, of course. But right. it's amazing low. Yeah, you can't buy the 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 gas. Yeah, for this low price. Hmm? Right. It's impossible. Right. So you are uh, with the renewable already lower in the energy costs uh, over the years, of course, and then uh, with um, fossil. Right. So, okay. Okay. So we, what I just heard there was that we can uh, have domestic manufacturing. We can have it at the same uh, price as imported modules, right? We can, we can, we can um, have smaller facilities, anywhere from 200 megawatt production annually up to a gigawatt annual production capabilities. And then there is a whole series of jobs that are associated with that. Not only manufacturing jobs, which are about one per megawatt, I think you said, an annual production. So if you had a 200 megawatt facility, you got 200 annual manufacturing jobs. Is that what I heard? Yeah. Correct. And then from no. there, you also have all the other downstream jobs. So you have, you know, and that's, I mean, I know because I'm in the industry, right? So you got people that are, you know, electricians that are busy. You got, you got office managers that are busy. You got sales managers that are busy. You got salesmen that are busy. You got installers that are busy. You got everybody that's about doing these jobs, too, is that they are all technically competent, uh, high paying, good jobs. Yeah. They're not, they're not Long lasting jobs. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and the, something with the future <laughs> absolutely and and you know that future is actually something that i kept thinking of as andre was describing it because you know uh, one of the things that's been challenging over the years is the although we have um although we have the um the uh, ability to install and and exercise warranties on panels the 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 way to do that is a little tough you know sometimes you have to take like pictures and show that it's faulted and then you have to send it back and you know depending on the the manufacturer you're working with it can be kind of challenging especially if it's in freaking china you know so if if you're dealing with a module and you have a manufacturing facility you know 100 miles up the road and you're like hey guys this thing uh, it, you know we had a, a defect or whatever right at that point dealing with that must be a lot easier right so exercising warranties and dealing with products you don't have all that shipping you don't have that back and forth it's right there you just pull it in pop it in it sounds like it could be a really good o&m uh, solution as well domestically manufactured it's interesting, interesting that your mind goes there i I'm, I'm thinking of whether you want to have just final assembly in a particular location or do you want to do entire um silicon cell manufacturing it at, in, in, a, in a localized space well the way Andrew, you can do both yeah yeah, you okay. can do both. Uh, you can do. You have if you have a solar cell. Josh uh, uh, pointed out right. Uh, if you have solar cells, you can export the solar cells or ship the solar cells everywhere you like. Mm? Mm -hmm. So it's more package. It's not very costly. And then you can optimize your panel production domestically at the site. You need the panels mm? with a special frame. I don't know a special color or whatever you like. And in the second phase, you can extend go upstream. And then you can produce your sales locally. 
Yeah, but uh, this makes only sense in a bigger installation like uh, 400 megawatt and, and more, so one gigawatt. And, and of course, you can go more upstream to the wafer production, and then you can go very upstream, and there's US very strong today, still strong in the polysilicon. Hmm? High quality polysilicon, uh, there's a big base in the US uh, for production. Okay. Did I hear well, you? It's essentially, I, sand. <laughs> <laughs> did I hear you say that you, that in on uh, on big enough installations, you could actually do the assembly right at the installation? Did I hear you say that? Yes. Well, yeah, you would you would you would merge you would merge the the, the manufacturing of the the wafer and I mean, it, a vertically integrated kind of assembly plant, but it only makes sense if you have a large enough install. Right. And, so and that line it, was around 400 meg. So, okay, in 400 megs, we know right now we got a 400 meg RFP. I mean, of course, there are multiple locations here in Hawaii, but I mean, we're seeing multi <laughs> gig, we're seeing gigawatt installs now, right? Didn't we see it was a gigawatt one in the Sahara? Yes. So, in that example, yes. Andre, that well, that big one in the Sahara, you're probably already involved in this, I'm sure. <laughs> but I mean, with that, <laughs> you're like, yep, yeah, we're doing it right now. <laughs> but uh, with that, you know, you, you, you produce somewhere nearby, you ship the cells out, and are they, are they going to be assembling right on site, in, you know, in the Sahara Desert uh, for this one gigawatt um, uh, solar farm that they been talking about? Co correct, but I would, uh, Sahara perhaps is a very special example uh, because you have no infrastructure around. <laughs> perhaps I would not locate the big productions there, and the climatization for the production would be very costly. But anyway, yeah, in principle, you can do it, yes. Mm? Hmm. Um, Amazing uh, idea. But, but one one important point is for the solar and, and for all the renewable energies in, in all, they have been not optimized, they are very young. And if you look for the old industry, uh, the engine industry, whatever, the old power plant systems, they've been optimized, optimized over decades, uh, over years and years. And now we have the solar, for example, and the, the solar is just at the very beginning to get a, a technology adapted to some applications. Okay, okay. And applications can mean climate, or and or applications like roofing systems and so on. We know roofing systems since 50 years in the solar. This was a very start point for PV. You have roofs. You don't use a roof, and you yeah you can generate energy. This was the main idea for the solar. One of yeah. the main ideas 50 years ago. But now you have the chance to really with a low cost. Uh, solar systems, high-efficient solar systems to generate enough energy in, in one roof, for example, for, for a family. Mm -hmm. Okay, okay. So, all right, so, the, yeah, we got about three minutes left on yeah, this, Andre. The, the, so what we want to do here, oh. so sorry to interrupt you. What we want to do here is we want to kind of wrap this up in a nice little bow, and then we're going to come back on another show, and we're going to dig into some of the some of the real numbers here that NREL has shared with us. We're going to share, we're going to dig into some of the Meyer Berger numbers, and we're going to get greater specificity on how we can actually implement this domestic manufacturing policy, not only in the United States but also around the world. You know, maybe we'll be able to share that with somebody that has some decision making power, like uh, you know DJT or someone like that. What do you think, Jay? <laughs> Sounds like a plan. <laughs> All right. So uh, very good. So very good. So um, what's any any final words here, Andre, in terms of uh, of, of what you shared so far, and the, anything we can you want to you want to share the last bit here? Perhaps the last last word will be, or one word will be, to the optimization is not done. We have a lot to do in the solar. And uh, there's a, still a long way to go. And there are now new concepts upcoming, for example, for local optimization. Uh, this will be very interesting. And we should take care on the quality of solar modules because solar yeah. modules are installed for 20 to 40 to perhaps longer uh, years. And we have to take care for this quality. And so a local domestic production will increase this quality feeling as well responsibility of the production of the local production is perhaps higher than the big production I like it. far away. I like it. So the fact that it's manufactured locally, there's greater uh, sense of responsibility and honoring warranties over the long term. Ownership, yeah. Yeah, this is our there. community, right? And then also yeah. you have, I think you had mentioned before that there was the concern about, like when you look at levelized cost of, uh, of energy, that these mm -hmm. may become even much, even better at that. Not, not just the out-of-pocket costs, but the long-term costs on these types of modules that we're talking about with the smart wire and the locally uh, manufactured capability could really make it, could really be significantly different than what we're dealing with now now with A and maybe sometimes B grade uh, shipped in modules, right? I think you had mentioned that concern earlier, Andre. 
Yeah. Okay, well, there we are. There's no, there, I'm telling you, we got 10 shows in this right here. So, I, Andre, I really, <laughs> so much room. I'm really trying not to dig into the like, specific numbers. And I, with the smart wire stuff, I really want to talk about. So, we're definitely going to have you back for that. We're going to reschedule another show shortly, Andre. We're going to keep digging into this. And then we're going to get in front of some people as soon as we Good. possibly can. Thank you so much for your time today, yeah, as always, Andre, uh, in Switzerland <laughs> at 10 p.m., 11 p.m. at night. All right, folks, this has been the Solar Coaster Renewable Energy Theme Talk Show right here in lovely Maui County. Uh, we can find out KOI 1110 AM. Fridays at 1.05 p.m. We're sponsored by Maui Solar Project, Tabuchi Electric America, Sonin Battery, Pika Energy, and Sundrum Solar. This has been a great show, folks. Uh, Aloha Friday. Enjoy your wonderful weekend.